Hi, and welcome to show number 28 of the El Casita Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. I'd like to thank all the people who've donated to our program so far. And if you'd like to make a donation, please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could do so. Looking at my status report, I could see that we've got some people from Brazil, some people from Ireland, France, Italy, Panama, and the Philippines. So thank you for listening in. And don't forget to subscribe so you get all the updates as soon as they come in. On our Facebook page, we have the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write and would like to submit a story, either for our Facebook page or for a future podcast, please send an email to elcasitatraveltalks at gmail.com. For any questions or comments that you might have about the show or anything that you want to tell me about how I could improve on the show, please send an email to that same address, which is elcasitatraveltalks at gmail.com. For today's show, I interviewed my guest here with me at the El Cafecito in Cuenca, Ecuador, and he will tell us his story and how the coronavirus and the lockdown changed his journey. So please get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy today's show. My name is Ryan Benjamin Lehman, known as Ben or Benito here in South America. So, Ben, you're sitting here with me in Cuenca, Ecuador. Uh, my other interviews recently have been over Zoom. So let's talk a little bit about where were you before you started traveling and how your urge to travel came about. How was your... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've called Western Colorado home for the last seven years, and it's the longest I've spent in one spot since I was living at home before going off to college. So I work as an uh, independent professional photographer, have a, my own small business. I, I shoot photography and video, um, aerial and stills and... and, and edit them together and have a lot of fun helping uh, individuals and businesses and families and stuff like that. I also love exploring and uh, taking nature shots and getting more and more interested in, in conservation photography. So uh, I have a friend who also has a home base in Colorado, but uh, his name is Weston Boyles. He is the executive director of, uh, and founder of a nonprofit called Rios to Rivers. Rios being the Spanish word for rivers. The point of what they do is to create future river guardians. Um, and so we do this through adventure, uh, educational um, interchanges or exchanges between students, youth, usually teens, from different watersheds. This came about um, because of a kayaking trip that Weston did years ago in southern Patagonia in Chile with a group of students from Colorado years ago. And I was actually brought on as a photographer and videographer uh, volunteer and just had a blast. So that sounds like something you started to do once you got into the habit of say, okay, you wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. But when did your initial, when did your curiosity to travel come about? I was fortunate um, to have parents who, who were not, uh, they, we wanted to do vacations. Um, I saw snow for the first time when I was five. Uh, five or six, and um, I, I remember as a teen or an early adolescent going on a tour of the Western National Parks. And my first time out of the country was to Belize in Central America when I was like 11. Okay. And um, was able to go back there and, and just 
um, being a Boy Scout and camping out and stuff like that was always interesting to me. So you basically grew up with the travel bug. Yeah, it, I was never afraid of going somewhere that was different than where I was. When I was in college, I, I lived in Alaska for a summer, and I lived in New Zealand for a year during university, studying down in the South Pacific, and uh, have volunteered a few times in Guatemala, and just uh, just love it. Yeah, okay. I love it. And what did you study in college? I majored in English, creative writing, with a minor in environmental studies. Okay. On this particular trip that you've, you're on right now, mm. tell us about that. Tell us about what this journey was and how this journey was planned. Yeah, the plan was to go down to Argentina in late January, do this amazing 200-mile kayaking expedition uh, with these river activists and, and get photos and videos for the nonprofit that my friend runs. Mm-hmm. Then travel overland to Chile, uh, spend some time in the Aysen region and visit lakes and go hiking and horseback riding and playing around, and then uh, fly back up to Ecuador, where I was a f- really fortunate uh, Peace Corps volunteer years before. So I lived in Ecuador 2006, seven part of 2008, and I was very excited to spend about a month just traveling Ecuador visiting the places I wasn't allowed to go when I was a Peace Corps volunteer, really spending some quality time at my old Peace Corps site that I just loved dearly, and then making my way back to Colorado, which was planned for probably mid to late March. And then the pandemic hit right in uh, mid-March, and everything got locked down. And um, I've been happily uh, isolated here since then. And um, Yeah. So do you remember the first few days, what were your thoughts when, the, when they were telling you, okay, the pandemic is upon us? Do you, what were some of your early thoughts on there? Where were you at that moment and what were some of your early thoughts? Uh, when, right when it happened and things began to shut down, uh, we were told like two more days and then everything's done. Um, I was sick with what I'm pretty sure was coronavirus. So... Uh, I was about to buy my ticket back to the U.S. and uh, was going to plan to go visit Zaruma before. This is my Peace Corps site. Get that off my chest and then get on out of here. And the fact that I did not get to see my Peace Corps site, I think, was a huge reason why I did not return. I was very much uh, planning on doing that. And I just felt like I'm not done here. Mm -hmm. It's important to me. If the pandemic is as serious as we're hearing... I don't know when I'll be able to get back to Ecuador and I'm going to take the opportunity while I'm here to do it. And there was also the tingle of excitement. There was also the, um, the, the feeling like, oh, I'm saved by the bell. I don't have to go back to the old life just yet. There was, uh, there was a lot of things within me, the, the adventurer that I'd love to, to inhabit, uh, getting an opportunity to, to be that person. And I, was really excited about that. Just was left with a fully furnished apartment and took over the rent and <laughs> yeah, began to, to, to do the other things and, and just entrench myself into this chapter. So when we were in complete shutdown here back in March, <clears throat> April, May in Ecuador where we couldn't go out after two o'clock, where you were in an apartment here in Cuenca at the time? That's correct. Just a couple of blocks away from the Tomebamba River and it was a top floor apartment, so I had a view of uh, uh, the mountains and the, the uh, sunsets every evening and just had a blast, had a blast, blast, blast. It was, I would go walking in the centro, just a few, mi- few minutes away from uh, 
the, all that cobblestone colonial architecture and loved to take walks along the river and explore the parks and um, began to get into a routine of not really having much of a routine. Okay. And you were quarantined by yourself or did you have friends or were there other people living in the building? How was that feeling? Yeah. So the apartment was that of a Peace Corps volunteer I was visiting who was one of these more than 7,000 who were immediately evacuated from their sites all around the world back to the United States. And so I was alone uh, beginning on the evening of March 16th. And I've been keeping a tally. I started a, a quarantine log where I just started making hash marks, you know, line, 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 slash. Mm-hmm. And I'm up to just about 200 days. Um, every morning I write another one on there. So for the vast majority of the time I was by myself. I know I spent one 15-day period where I did not leave the apartment. It was when the Syria... And I was like, I can do this. I'm going to do an isolation. I'm going to be a monk or a Jedi. I'm going to meditate. Okay. And it worked out just great. So um, you enjoyed the whole experience. I, I had a fantastic time with lockdown for the first couple of months. And then it began to get old. Okay. And you, so you were not worried that, oh my gosh, I could be here for the rest of my life. What's going to happen? There were no fears that were coming through your mind at that time? Like... The, of the unknown of I honestly can say no, none of that. I was fully excited about the opportunity to to live out a plot twist that we all uh, got handed uh, back in March, and I just felt excited that I had had more work to do down here and um, I was delighted with the serendipity of just before I was going back um, having this uh, adventure land on my plate and knowing that there was uh, not a whole lot to do in terms of work or anything back home might as well stay here and, and have a different experience so okay now that you're here and things are starting to somewhat come back to normal and people are able to go out and about what are some of the things that you're doing now what are mm. I borrowed a bicycle from some friends that I've made and uh, paid to get it fixed up and really made a little safer and so get out and ride more. I spend almost every day spending some time walking along the river with headphones on, listening to a lot of audiobooks. And then one of the things I've been throwing tons of energy in since uh, early April is using the fact that Ecuador now has broadband internet pretty widespreadly accessible. Uh, I've been helping form an artist collective to throw online parties and events like that that can create real human connection, uh, even in a time of social distancing where a lot of us are feeling more isolated. So it's um, immersive theater. It's a shared celebratory play. It is um, absurdity and drinking and dancing and karaoke and playing roles and wearing costumes. And it evolved. We were doing a party every couple of weeks and started with a few hundred and then several hundred more than that. And uh, we are a bunch of people who have a ties to Burning Man. And uh, the core team of us wanted to see if we could be part of Burning Man this year because the Burning Man event held in Nevada, uh, that is a huge, huge, huge thing, uh, was on, was canceled for the first time since uh, 1986. And we had the opportunity and the honor to create and host one of the seven or eight different um, universes in the Burning Man multiverse. So that was a huge undertaking. We had nearly 4,000 people at this event, mm-hmm. huge mixed reality, hot tubs, and just realizing the potential of mm-hmm. 
an off-label use of the Zoom video conferencing technology. And instead of using it to organize how companies could be more profitable, we were using it to uh, organize how humans could become more connected and um, more happy and less anxious and more able to work from a creative place versus a fearful or anxious place. So anyone could just basically sign up when you have the next event and also participate in the program? It's open to everyone? Or is there a special group that you have to be a part of? There were plenty of people who would sign up to an event and come and explore what we had to offer and party and enjoy it. And then we had plenty of people who would show up to an event that the core group had created and instantly offer, hey, I want to be a ranger with you guys. Um, I want to volunteer. I have an idea for a room or an event. Can I start coming to the meetings? And the thing grew and grew and grew. And we just have a global group. I'm here in Ecuador. We've got people in uh, Australia, the UK, Germany, France. Um, there were some in Greece for a while, several places across the U.S., and we all get together somehow coordinating the time zones and have meetings and plan the most unbelievably real uh, online events. And it's growing in the different directions and ideally we'll be able to uh, use it to support artists, performing artists, musicians, uh, creative people who are really suffering in this time where there aren't a lot of uh, live venues available. So we've been able to raise money and uh, nobody's getting rich off of it, of course, but Artists who had no income were able to get a little bit of income and have a great time. The collective that we started is called Co-Reality Collective. And the, um, the multiverse that we threw for Burning Man was called the Sparkleverse. And that's run off of what we're, we're calling the Sparkle platform, which is a, uh, several of the members of the collective were tech people, web designers, uh, uh, coders who said we could do even more cool stuff with this and created that platform, which then was the one hosted uh, one of the Burning Man uh, universes. Okay. I will put that in the podcast notes so people will have access to that information if that's okay. Absolutely. And I'll give you the websites too. Okay. Perfect. So you've been planning these online parties, these online events. You've been riding around town with your bicycle. What's next? Oh, well, I'll tell you this. I, I just want to say I, I, I was... I was up to about 111, 112 days uh, with no handshakes, no hugs, because I've been tallying it all up in my notes here. And um, I met a woman in Parque de la Madre. Uh, one of the parks here in Cuenca. Right, one of the beautiful... Because <laughs> not everyone who's listening to us has been to Cuenca. There you go. <laughs> so I met this woman um, and we did a... We had like a little date um, hiking up to Turi. Got caught in the rain. So Turi is a viewpoint here in Cuenca. It's one, well, one of the points in where you could see the whole city from. And there's a famous church up at the top. Right. There's this beautiful stairway that you have to kind of climb up. And it's a, it's a decent little workout if you're not used to the altitude here and, and hiking upstairs. <clears throat> and so we hiked up there and we got caught in this pouring, freezing cold rain and had to huddle together. And one thing leads to another. So I had... A beautiful novia that came out of the, the pandemic, too, that um, has just been great. I, I, I love the opportunity to, to learn new words and uh, to be schooled in how terrible my Spanish is by somebody who's a native speaker. She's from Venezuela. And okay. It's been another part of the experience. It's just a lovely, a lovely uh, colorful bit of depth to what's been So we can call it love in the time of pandemia. 
love in the time of Corona. So does this mean that is, do you see a future here? Well, not necessarily, sorry, uh, not necessarily a future as to say whether or not you're going to get married or not, but do you see a future in Cuenca for yourself? Thank you for the clarification. The way I would word it is this. I am getting the hell back to the United States. I have a ticket to go back to Colorado on October 11th. I'm going to visit with friends. I'm going to visit with family. I'm going to pick up some clothes and some camping gear and some equipment and some computers. And I'm getting my butt back down here. Cuenca is going to be the setting for the next uh, chapter or few from my life. I love it here. And it's uh, so lovely to see how it's changed and evolved and grown in the last 12 years. And I think I have a lot to offer. And um, as a photographer, I like being in the right place at the right time to view something from a new perspective and hopefully be able to share the way that I see things um, with other people who don't have that perspective. So the opportunity to be down in South America, 3,400 miles from my usual uh, or most recent home is uh, something that doesn't feel like I want to pass it up. And obviously... We're in a state of uh, really great change in the United States. And I think that I can serve my country best by having, uh, by taking advantage of the opportunity to see how things go in a removed point of view with a little more objectivity than if I were right in the middle of it. So yeah, I love Cuenca. There's, uh, there's going to be a future here for me. And it's um, my mold to break and my story to write. And I'm just so glad I met you to... to make it more colorful. Okay. So it's, it's actually quite interesting how, yes, how people's journey will change as a result of Corona, how Corona has reformed a lot of our lives. So for some businesses, it requires a whole restructuring of the business. And for individuals, it's requiring a whole restructure and a whole new direction. And so I think it's really great that you've chosen Cuenca as your new direction. What do your friends or family back home, have you spoken to them about the idea that you might be moving to, to Ecuador? At first, earlier in the lockdown, when I told them that I wasn't going to come back immediately, they were fully understanding. There, there was no international flights or international travel. And they're like, if you feel safe, just hunker down, man. We're all in this together. As things began to open up, I began to get more and more questions. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? And in my heart of hearts... I just wasn't feeling a very strong magnetic pull to go back to what the setting of my story was before the plot twist that we all experienced. My folks, I was concerned about them. They took on the adopted dog that I'd had for a year or so. And my mother did tell me, I don't think you're going to get her back because we love her too much. So that was, it took me right out of the worry of, oh man, they're pissed that they have to deal with my dog. They're very happy that they've got her. And I know that she's in good hands. I've heard frustrations from friends who would like to visit and see me and I totally get that but at the same time they come and visit you here I said you can come and visit me here man three dollars for a haircut come to haircut tourism you know what I mean it's so affordable here and um, they a, a lot of people that I've explained my situation to over the months have said well it sounds like you're in a better place in here just stay away the the fires are making it impossible to breathe and uh, there's violence in the streets and um you know, people are going nuts and like beating each other up, trying to buy toilet paper. Just stay where you are. If you're good, just you're good. So I have concern about disappointing people. That's part of it. I, you know, I have a community. I, I have things that I'm in charge of, but I also know that there's a million ways to skin a cat or uh, more than one way to 
communicate. Commu- thank you to communicate, <laughs> and I'm happy to to say, look, I'm gonna f- I'm gonna do what feels great for me right now. I'm gonna f- meet what the moment is calling for. Okay. <clears throat> Yourself, was there a moment where? throughout all of this that you had a doubt where you're like, no, maybe I, I should just go home. This is not... Was there, was there a moment of doubt? Plenty of moments of doubt. Okay. Plenty of turmoil. Plenty of uh, questioning. You know, where is the gravity of the universe pulling me right now? Is it to stay here? Feels pretty amazing here for lots of reasons, but is it sustainable? Um, what if things get really bad? What if there's really bad civil unrest at home? Will I want to just watch it go down on the news and not be able to help and participate and contribute and, and uh, you know, be part of the solidarity of the community that needs to happen? Or am I better able to serve in a stranger way with the online work that I've been doing that I spoke about? Maybe I could be more effective at reaching more people around the globe with a slower pace of life, lower cost of living, and the ability to focus more time online. Plenty of doubt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's it's not without doubt, but your new home for a while will be Cuenca. Yes, I'm feeling that more and more conviction. Uh, even even today, from this morning till now, it's been growing. Uh, it's working for me, and uh, I love it. And I'm not somebody that wants this chapter of life to read just the same as the last chapter. Let's. Uh, I came here for the experiences, and this is a lovely experience to share. Okay, to wrap this up a bit, we're going to talk a little bit. If you've traveled up from the south, from Argentina and Chile, and then you get to Cuenca, and then all of a sudden you're in shutdown, what would be something that you would say that you've learned from this that you'd like to share with others? I would say that something I had been knowing and believing for a while got reinforced um, in, a, in a beautiful way. Um, I'm from the South. I'm from New Orleans originally. And there's a Mississippi writer named uh, Samuel Clemens or Mark Twain. He's got a quote that says, travel is fatal to prejudice. I love travel all my life. And here I am in another oppor- with another opportunity to recognize how Ecuadorians do things differently than people in the United States do. Just like people in the United States do things differently than people in Japan do and like Russia and other parts of South America and uh, places in Africa and Rome, we, there's no one right way to live. And I think that when people are able to travel and go to other cultures where the material wealth might be different, where the value systems may not overlap in perfect ways, when the way things are organized and the way people have a relationship with personal power versus just uh, fate, you recognize that it's okay, that people are happy in all kinds of different living situations. And when someone says such and such a way to live is the best way, the ultimate way, the pinnacle of all human civilization and achievement, travel allows you to say, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. This is, we're all brothers and sisters, all playing the same game, but depending on where you are, the rules might be a little different. There's more than one way to get to Rome. There's more than one way to get to Rome, exactly. And so... Down here, there's more than one way to cook a guinea pig, you know, (laughs) and they're all delicious. So uh, travel is fatal to prejudice. And I've been that notion has been reinforced as I watch um, what seems to be a concerning level of surfacing prejudice and hatred and racism in the culture that I grew up in and wondering if um, people have just been crawling around in the same cage too much. And maybe they need to open the gate and go see that there's Mm -hmm. other ways to to live this game of life and um, be a little more accepting and a little more open and a little more loving.
So Okay. That's a very good thought and we'll leave on that note. Thank you for coming in today and we're sitting here having some tea, so Cheers. Little cheers. Click click. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening in once again. I hope you enjoyed the show. Ben's information could be found in our podcast notes. Also, if you're interested in donating to this show, please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could do so. The written stories on the Facebook page, and if you're someone that would like to write a story, or if you have something that you would like to share with us for a future show, please send me an email to elcafcitotravelotalks at gmail.com. Any questions or comments that you might have, or any suggestions that you have on how to improve the show, I'd like to hear some more from the people who are listening. Please send an email to that same address, which is elcafcitotravelotalks at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you here also some point in Cuenca, and also you're welcome to visit our sister location in Quito. Bye for now, and please stay safe.